You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey y'all, good morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake and I get to be the uh, lead pastor here at Midtown Church. It's my honor to do that. And so if this is the first time you've joined us, uh, hello, and I'd love to have a chance to to meet you after the service today, if you stick around. I also want to introduce someone else to you, someone uh, really uh, special, and that would be uh, Joseph Hill. And so uh, I think Austin and Melanie and their little baby, Joseph, is on there somewhere. Now, that's not, that's not him. That's me. But um, he's better looking than me. There we go. Congrats, you guys. We're so happy for y'all. That's uh, so fun. All right. Well, um, we are in the middle of a uh, teaching series that we've, been, that we've called Foolproof. Uh, this series is walking through the book of Proverbs, or at least looking at different elements uh, and themes through the book of Proverbs. And in this series, we really have one big goal. Like, well, we're going to have many goals, but one big goal. Like, If you're going to take anything away from this series, and this is it. This, we want you to start asking one question. And we want you to start asking this one question because we believe this one question, if you start asking, it's going to help you uh, avoid regrets. It's going to help you avoid wasting your time. It's going to help you use your money well. It's going to save you from a lot of heartache. It's going to really help your life. This one question, hopefully if you've been tracking with us, you know what question it is. But in case you need a reminder, if you're new with us, here's the question. It's right here. The question is, what is the wise thing for me to do. Y'all, y'all just say that with me. Here's the question. One, two, three. What is the wise thing for me to do? Yeah. And in the first sermon in this series, I shared how my youth pastor, Bobby Pruitt, and then another pastor, Andy Stanley, uh, taught me to ask this question. And really, they taught me to ask it in kind of a three-dimensional way, to uh, ask it in light of my past experiences and my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams or my desired future. What is the wise thing for me to do? And friends, I can't tell you how well served I have been by asking that question. And when I actually ask it, it helps me hugely. And so that's why I'm saying, I want to help y'all, church family, be helped like I've been helped by asking this question because this question is a vastly better question than the types of questions we normally ask when we're trying to make a decision about something. Because consciously or subconsciously, we always have a grid. We have questions that we're asking, but usually the questions we ask are things like, hey, well, is this going to be fun? Or what do I feel like doing? Or, you know, do I have permission to do this? Or is there anything technically wrong with this? Or what is everyone else doing? But see, this question is a better question. Because this question, unlike any of those other questions, brings wisdom to the table. It, it brings wisdom into a part of the decision-making process. It brings wisdom to the equation. It, it helps you begin to aim for wisdom. And when you aim for wisdom, you live more wisely. And in doing so, you avoid regrets and unnecessary foolish heartache. But... The truth is, is that, unfortunately, we all carry with us a lot of regret. Some more than others, but everyone's got things that they regret in your life, right? I mean, you've got 
uh, that financial decision or financial decisions or that relationship or relationships, right, or that career decision, something, you know, that one, uh, that one season of your life perhaps or that one spring break of your life maybe or that one weekend of your life or that, that one moment, maybe just a moment in your life that you, if you could, if you could go back and redo you absolutely would. We carry with us regrets. In fact, just to make this personal, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just share one of your biggest regrets. I'll just give you a minute to do that. No, just, just kidding. No, I'm not going to make you do it. Things just got really weird for a minute there, right? Instead, let me, let me just do what the, the joy of being a teacher. I, I get to you know, be vulnerable with you. So I'll just share with one, y'all one of my greatest regrets. How about that? Is that, that going to interest you? So, um, my uh, junior year, uh, senior year of high school, I was I uh, was in a pretty serious, if, you know, high school level uh, dating relationship. Uh, this girl I had been, I, mean, I met and started dating her my junior year, summer before my junior year. We dated real seriously through through those last part of high school, and uh, but our senior year in high school, it became clear that she was planning to go to Baylor. Her parents had gone to Baylor. And so she had her heart set on going to Baylor, and, but I was a poor pastor's kid, and there was no way I was ever going to afford going to Baylor. And so instead, I went to A&M. Now, just in, ca- in case you got any thoughts in your mind, that's not the thing that I regret. Okay, I have to tell that to a room of Longhorns. That was not, that's not my big regret. That was, that was great. A&M was great. But my big regret was that we, stayed, we tried to stay together. Uh, that how oh, she went off to Baylor, I went off to A and M, but we you know, we knew it was going to be hard, and there was like looking back, just tons of warning signs on why we probably should not have tried to make it work. But we decided we we're going to try to make it work, and so our freshman year of high school, I mean of college, and through the uh, fall semester of our sophomore year of college, we tried to make it work, but it was not fun. It took so much time and energy and stress. And it's just, I mean, trying to see each other when we could. And then, I mean, it was just all kinds of stuff. Like, I could get into it, but it, it just wasn't good. And over time, she really grew apart from me and ended up falling for another guy and breaking my heart. And I just look back at that time and I think, how could I have been so foolish? Right? I mean, usually when you think back at your regrets, what, one of the things that runs through your mind, one of the questions that you, you, we normally ask is, how did I not see that coming? Right? You ever ask yourself that? How did I not see that coming? Because now, with hindsight being 20-20, I look back at that, and there were a ton of warning signs. There are a ton of things that should have tipped me off. Like, this is a bad idea. We should just break up before we both go off to separate colleges. But at that time, I just couldn't see it. Now I look back, I think, but how did I not see that coming, and guys, with y'all's regrets, you probably asked that same question. How did I not see that coming? Now, here's the thing about that question. How did I not see that coming? Chances are that if you feel like, in hindsight, you should have seen it coming, chances are really high that someone in your life at that time did see it coming. But either you wouldn't listen to them, or they didn't tell you. And if they didn't tell you, chances are high, the reason they didn't tell you is because they knew 
you weren't going to listen to them, right? I mean, I had so many people in my life telling me that I should break up with my girlfriend before I headed off to college. My parents, my youth pastor, all of my closest friends. You know what I did to all of them? I blew them all off, right? I just didn't, I didn't listen to them. And now I think, man, I wish that I had listened to them. How could I have been so foolish, friends? Um, why is that the case? You ever wonder that? Like, why is it that it just seems like at times, like, the people, like, you can't see clearly the trouble coming your way, but other people can see it so much more clearly than you can. Or flip that on its head. Why is it at times that you feel like you can see the trouble headed your friend's way or your daughter's way, your son's way or whatever? You can see trouble coming in someone else's life, but they can't see it. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you, a big reason why that's the case is because our emotions cloud our decision-making. Emotions cloud decision-making. That our emotions make what is obvious less obvious. Am I right? Like, we know that this is true, that whenever you have, like, heightened emotions, you just can't see as clearly But all your friends around you who are not, you know, obstructed by your emotions, it's as if they can see clearly because the rain is gone. But you're in the middle of the storm of emotions, but there are no obstacles in their way, right? And so you, I can't see, I can't see. And your friends are saying, really? You you can't see what you should do? And they're like, no, no, I I just, I don't know what I should do. And they're like, it's so clear. It might not be easy for you to do what you should do, but what you should do is crystal clear for us. How do you not see that? The reason we can't see it is because emotions fog or cloud our decision-making. Now, that should alarm us because... The truth is, every big decision that we make carries with it heightened emotions. If you're trying to make a big decision about whether you should take that job or keep dating that guy or start dating that girl or get married to that person, or if you start thinking about, okay, should we move or should I buy this thing, this truck or this house or whatever, it would be a truck. Trucks are awesome. I have a truck. But a truck or a house or whatever, like big purchases, how to use your money, relationships, career decisions, faith decisions, all big life decisions always, always carry with them heightened emotions. And heightened emotions make it harder to make wise decisions. So what do we do with that? Because, see, we're trying to be wise. That's this whole series, right? That's what we're aiming for, wisdom. And so in light of this, you think, okay, well, how do, how do I make a wise decision when I know that the decision I'm making has got my emotions all wrapped around it? How do I make a decision when my emotions are heightened? Well, according to the book of Proverbs, the answer to that question is this. You need to listen to wise friends. You need to listen to wise friends. Or wise family members, if you're blessed enough to have wise family members, they're also good to listen to. But we need to listen to the wisdom of others, which really means we need two things. We need to actually have wise friends, and then we have to listen to them, right? These are two themes found in the book of Proverbs. 
uh, there's a lot to be found in there about the, the wisdom of having wise friends. Perhaps the, the best verse, and really could be, and I could share a whole story on this, a kind of theme verse in my life, but I don't have time to share the story. But let me just point you to the proverb. The proverb is Proverbs 13, verse 20, and that proverb says that uh, if you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise, you grow wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. See, this says, okay, you want to become wise? Get wise people around you. Walk with them. Again, we've talked a lot about that in this series. Walking within Scripture is not just like, hey, go for a walk. It's like doing life with. It's journeying with it. That, that, that if you want to grow wise, have your closest friends, your, their strongest, your strongest influences, the loudest voices in your life, let them be wise people. You will grow wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. See, Proverbs 27, 17 says this famous verse, says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So if you got wise friends, it's going to help you become wise. If you don't, not so much. Which could ca- should cause us to ask the question, okay, well, how do I know, right, if my friends are wise? Like, how do I determine if, if they're actually wise? Well, in this series, we've talked about that, right? We, we said that, uh, we saw out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, that uh, a wise person understands what the Lord's will is. We saw out of uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10, that a uh, wise person and wisdom really begins with the fear of the Lord, like high regard, esteem, reverence for God, that leads you to trust in the Lord. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. You lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, you acknowledge him. He makes your path straight. Like, these are aspects of being a wise person according to God's word. It's someone who, you have their high regard and, and trust in God, knows what he says, and then puts it into practice. Now, in contrast to that, according to God's word, a fool is someone that's not the exact opposite of that. A fool actually, well, a wise person and a fool actually have one thing really in common, according to Scripture. Both of them know what God says. Both of them know what God says to do. The difference is the wise person puts it into practice, and the fool does not. See, that's what Jesus says. That's Jesus' definition of a wise person and a fool. Y'all remember that? At the end of Matthew chapter 7, the parable of the wise man, the foolish man. One builds his house on the rock. One builds his house on the sand. Maybe some of y'all remember a story all about that. Rain coming down. The flood's coming up. Yeah. No? Okay. That's all right. Uh, Jacob knows from his uh, Southern Baptist roots. Gotcha, buddy. Um, in that story, Jesus says, okay, uh, both of them, the wise person and the foolish man, know what I, or have heard what I say. They listen to my words. Wise man puts it in practice. Foolish man does not. See, to a fool, according to God's word, according to Jesus, is someone who knows what to do but doesn't do it. Someone who knows what to do but just doesn't care. I'm going to do my own thing. And a fool is someone who not only knows what to do, doesn't do it, doesn't care, but actually even knows the consequences of that and continues to do that. And that's Proverbs uh, 26, 11, one of the grossest Proverbs, uh, where it says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. 
gross, right? But that's, that's a picture of a fool. They know what to do. They don't do it. They even know the consequences of not doing it. They still go and do it. It's a, it's a friend that you say, hey, you really going to go do that again? And they say, yeah, I am. But you remember last time. You, me- you remember how awful you felt. You, you remember how, how like, just pain- painful that was for you later on. You remember the regret that you had. Yeah, I, I remember. It- but you're still going to go do it? Yeah. Why? Because it's fun. It's because I want to. Because I don't, I don't care. Like, let me be a fool. Let me return to my vomit. Like, that's the attitude of a fool. And that, friends, if those are your close friends... Like, those are the strongest influences in your life. And I want you to be warned. According to this proverb, this nugget of wisdom, that means you're missing out on wisdom. Because it's when you walk with the wise that you grow wise. But if you walk with fools, you won't grow wise. In fact, something else will happen. It's a companion of fools that suffers harm. Does the fool suffer harm? Sure. But so does the fool's companions, the people that are close to the fool, the husband of, the wife of, the son of, the daughter of, the mother of, the father of, the boss of, or employee of, friend of, fools, suffers harm. And y'all know that, right? Unfortunately, we, we could all tell stories of how someone else's foolishness impacted our lives negatively. And we probably could all also share stories of how our foolishness impacted others' lives negatively. Because there's great wisdom in this proverb that's true to life. Companion of fools suffers harm. Now, here's what this means. It means it's really wise to have wise friends. Now, I want to be clear here. This does not mean you should not ever have any quote-unquote foolish friends. In fact, I'll go so far as to say we absolutely all should. We should all have friends that are on the foolish side. <laughs> we should all have friends that don't know God. We should all have friends that don't want to do what God has to say or don't even believe that there is a God. We should all have friends like that. However, we need to be wise in allowing what kind of influence they have in our lives. Have fun with them, for sure, but don't let them be the strongest voice in your life influencing what you decide to do. That's not wise. See, friends, as a church family, this is one of the reasons why midtown communities and huddles are so incredibly important to us. Because in our midtown communities, which are groups that meet during the week, and our huddles are discipleship groups that also meet during the week, you find a group of people that can become your companions, that can be your friends, who are committed to pursuing God and seeking to know Jesus and align their life with him to follow his ways. And so they want to do that, and they want to help you do that, and they need your help in doing that. They need companions who will be wise, and they are companions that are wise, that can help you grow in this. We want to help you as a church family grow in wisdom. We want to help you follow, know, and obey Jesus. So if you're not in an MC, or if you're not in a huddle, or because of COVID, you've backed away from one, you're disengaged, I would say that one of the wisest things you can do, decide to do this morning, is decide to get back into your MC or your huddle. 
because with these people, you'll help you. God will help you. Grow wise. Walk with the wise and you grow wise. Okay. But having said all of that, that's not enough. We know that, right? It's not just having wise friends that will help you be wise, that help you know what to do when you've got a big decision in front of you that's wrought with emotion and you're like, I don't know what to do and I, I know what I want to do, but I don't know if that's what I should do and I can't see clearly. So what do you do? How do you, how do you what's going to help you in that? It's not just having wise friends. It's listening to wise friends or listening and heeding the advice of wise friends. It's seeking their advice. It's giving them permission to speak into your life. It's receiving instruction from them and putting it into practice. And again, Proverbs has so much to say on this. Let me just rattle off a few verses for us. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says this, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Or Proverbs 9, verse 9 says this, Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. And we think, wait, 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 wait. If you're already discerning, if you're already wise, then do, like, do you really need to keep trying to grow in wisdom? Proverbs says, absolutely. In fact, that's a sign that you're wise, that you continue to get instruction. You continue to seek out advice. And then Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them. But the wise listen to advice. See, wait, wait, wait. But if you're wise, then you know what to do. No, no, no. Pop says, no, no, no. That's what a fool thinks. See, a fool, he's wise in his own eyes. No, a wise person seeks advice. Oh, okay, okay. Proverbs 19, verse 20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Listen to advice and accept discipline, or discipline, another word for here, would be correction. Like your friend says, hey, 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 I wouldn't do that if I was you. Just don't do, don't go that way. Don't make that decision. And you receive that correction, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. I love that last part. You'll be counted among the wise. That doesn't mean you were wise. It just means you were really good at listening to advice and seeking instruction, and then everyone thinks you're wise. Because at the end, you're counted among them. You've been, because why? Because wise people listen and heed advice from wise people. Wise people recognize when they are in no condition to make a wise decision for themselves by themselves. Stole that from Andy Stanley. Pastors teaches on wisdom a lot, and that's one of the quotes that really stood out to me. That a, a wise person recognizes when they're in no condition to make a wise decision for themselves, by themselves. Instead, a wise person seeks advice, seeks understanding, listens, receives correction and instruction. But I know I'm not telling you all anything that you don't already know. Right? I mean, come on, a lot of what I can have just said could be summed up with this. Oh, you're saying that I should actually seek advice? I didn't know that. I mean, that's, that's brilliant. I'm going to write that down. Okay, when I don't know what to do, ask somebody. Seek advice. I mean, this, whew, this is good stuff. No, I mean, none of us are feeling that. We've, our parents have told us this all our lives, right? You know, seek advice. So here's the issue. Why do we so rarely do that? Like, if we already know this, then why do we so 
rarely do this. And why is it so rare for us in the middle of a big decision when we know our emotions will cloud our decision making? Why is it so rare for us to actually go to someone and say, okay, I know what I want to do, but that scares me because, man, I really am excited about this. And I know that my emotions are all wrapped up around it. Will you help me discern if this is what I ought to do? Is this the wisest thing to do? Why don't we do that? When, why don't, when we're really lonely, as many of us have been over this last year, and we know that we are way more prone to do something that we should not do because of how lonely we are, why do we just do it instead of calling someone and saying, look, I'm thinking about doing this. Is this good? Is this smart? Is this wise? Why when we're really mad and we're angry and we just want to fire off that email or that phone call or whatever it might be, and we know our, our emotions are heightened and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do here, why don't we just hit pause and say, I need help. See, I think I'm mad. I'm mad and I think I'm justified in my, what's making me angry, but I'm not real sure how I should respond. Can you help me? Can you speak into this? But it's so rare that we do that. I mean, we're all trying to navigate a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, and yet how much have you really openly talked to people that you respect to, really respect, that are wise friends, and said, hey, I'm trying to figure out what to do. I don't really know what to do. Can you help me? What are you doing? How, how many of us, when we're, you know, been uh, confronted by stuff in the, um, you know, capital C church right now in, in, in America, and there's things that we do not like that we are seeing that you then go to someone and you say, okay, I'm trying to process different aspects of my faith and I got my emotions are really wrapped up in it. Can you help me with that? Can you help me think clearly about that? How many of us in a dating relationship and you're trying to decide, do I propose or do I break up or somewhere in between? Do you call your good, wise friend and say, hey, I need you to speak into this. I need help with this. How many of us, when we're trying to decide whether we're going to move or not move or take that job or not take that job or on and on, raise my kids, to instruct my kids in a certain area, and I don't know how to do it, and we think, let me tap out. Let me pause. Let me call a friend. Why do we so rarely do that? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons why. It's probably not all the reasons, but a couple of common reasons why. One is this. We know already what our wise friend's going to say, and we don't want to hear it. <laughs> right? See, we don't want to ask someone. We don't want to ask someone wise for what we should do because we already know what they're going to say, and we just don't want to do it. And so we don't want the added accountability. We don't want it to be more concrete. Like, I knew what to do, but now they really said it. They said it. Now I really know what I ought to do, but I don't want to do it. So we don't ask anybody. Now, this is going to be offensive, but I want you to know that I was convicted by this first. So I'm just sharing with y'all my conviction, okay? So I'm not saying this like as if I'm not guilty of this as well. But according to Jesus, if you know what the wise thing to do is and you don't do it, you're a fool. And I, I am too. 
If you know already, I don't want to ask someone what to do because I know what they're going to say. I know that's a wise thing, but I don't want to do. If that's our mindset, then we are acting a fool, at least in that area of our life. And that should alarm us. That's one reason why we don't often seek advice from others. The other reason why is because uh, we think it's none of your business. It's none of your business. It's my life. It's my decisions. It's my money. It's my time. It's my marriage. They're my kids. It's none of your business. The problem with that kind of thinking, friends, and we know this, you know this, right? The problem with that kind of thinking is that uh, private decisions have public consequences. And so, yeah, it's your life, but if you're going to make foolish decisions with your life, then that's not only going to impact you. What's Proverbs 13, 20 say? It's a companion of fools that suffers harm. And so you can think, yeah, well, I can do whatever I want with my time, with my money, with the way I, you know, my marriage, but like, especially if you're married, or if you're a parent, or if you're a boss, or if you're a pastor, or an MC leader, or a huddle leader, or you're someone really connected with good friends, they are going to, <laughs> they're going to feel the consequence of your private, it's none of your business decision. I mean, just think of every public scandal that we've seen. Pastors, politicians, actors, athletes, musicians, whatever. All public scandals, all of them. They all began with a personal, foolish, private decision. Huge ripple effects. Often what's made in private, decisions made in private, don't stay private. They have public implications and companions of fools suffer harm. But those are two common reasons why we don't seek advice from others. But honestly, those two reasons are surface-level reasons. That there's even more underlying heart-level reason why we don't seek advice from others, even when we know it's wise, even when we know our emotions are really tied around, wrapped around something, and we don't, can't think clearly. We still choose not to ask for advice or receive instructions or give permission to people to speak into our life because of this word right here. It's the word pride. pride pride leads to self-reliance pride causes you to think I can handle this on my own pride causes us to think that even though I know my emotions are heightened I got this I can still make a wise decision I can still decide what to do pride says I don't need anyone else speaking to my life Proverbs uh, chapter 19 verse 10 says this Um, I'm sorry, Proverbs 13, verse 10 says this. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is strife, where there's conflict between husband and wife, parent and kid, boss and employee, church partner with church partner, there is pride. I'm doing it my way. But in contrast with pride is this. 
taking advice. Taking advice. See, pride keeps us from doing that. And as a result, pride comes or goes before the fall, doesn't it? I mean, that's one of the most famous Proverbs of all time. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So many of our biggest regrets could have been avoided if it wasn't for our pride. But our pride kept us from asking for others to speak into our lives. And as a result, we made a foolish decision that now we greatly regret. And we think, man, how in the world did I not see that coming? And there were people around us who saw that coming, but our pride kept us from asking them to speak into our life. See, friends, I know I'm not telling y'all much that you don't know. Like We should seek advice from others. The problem is our hearts. Our problem is we have something that keeps us from doing that. So what can help us on that level to let go of our pride loosens its grip on our heart that we could be wise by seeking wisdom from others when we don't know what to do and our emotions are all wrapped up in the decision we're trying to make. What can free us from our pride? I know of no greater power than the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's called, according to Paul in Romans 1.16, the very power of God. See, because here's what the gospel story tells us. The gospel tells us that God created the world originally and it was perfect. And everything and everyone was as they were meant to be. And there was no loss and pain and and hurt and regret and relational strife. Everything was great. But then humankind decided that they knew better and they went their own way beginning with Adam and Eve leading to everyone else as well that we chose according to uh, Isaiah 53 to all turn our own way that we're all like sheep (laughs) we've all gone astray each of us have turned to our own way that we think that we know better that's pride so we turned from God and when we did all of the grief all of the heartache all of the brokenness, all of the regrets came flooding in. When we just pause and we recognize that, friends, that's enough right there to kind of begin to wake us up to the danger of pride. That pride really is the root issue of the fall that leads to all of the other broken things. And then we would say, okay, maybe I should not be so prideful. Maybe I need to like let go of thinking that I know the best way to go. Because look where that led us. That led us to a broken world. And so maybe I should not think that way. But if you're like me, that's not enough to really free me from pride. That's enough maybe to get my attention. Maybe pause a little bit. But not be set free. It has to get way more personal than that. See, I have to see that my pride and my foolishness harms others. I have to see that as a companion of fools that suffers harm, 
and it affects my family, it affects my friends, and ultimately, and most amazingly, it affects my greatest friend, your greatest friend. See, in John chapter 15, Jesus says something that's absolutely astonishing. He says, you are my friends. And he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for their friends. And then that's exactly what Jesus did. That Jesus, God the Son, laid down his life for you and for me. That as our greatest friend, he died to take the place for our, and pay the penalty for our sin and for our pride and for our foolishness. And friends, hear this. You know what that means? That means that Jesus is the ultimate companion of fools that suffered harm. That Jesus is the companion of fools who willingly became near to us, called us his friends, and then suffered harm for us so that we could be set free from the penalty of our sin and pride and foolishness and be able to have life with him forever. And in his death and in his resurrection, he secured for us reconciliation with God through faith and a promise of everything that's broken being made new and set right again. That because Jesus is our truest, our wisest, our greatest friend who would come and suffer harm for us, we can be set free. And guys, I don't know anything that can humble us more than that great love of our awesome Savior. And when we see what it cost him and what he willingly did for us. Because of our pride, it will cause us to say, okay, you know what? (laughs) Maybe I don't have it all figured out. And maybe going my own way doesn't work out well. But he, if he loves me like this, then yes, I can trust him. And so I should seek his instruction and seek his advice. And I can be humbled enough to go seek advice from others as well, from my wise friends. Friends, you want pride to lose its grip on you? Then look to Jesus. See your greatest friend willingly suffering harm because of our foolish pride. So he could save you from the consequences of going your own way. I know nothing more humbling than that. Meditate on the gospel of Jesus until his great love for you frees you to go to him, your wisest friend, and go to other wise friends for advice and instruction. So let me wrap this all up for us, all right? Big picture here. Here's what I want you to take away with this. So what is the wise thing to do when you're trying to make a wise decision, but emotions are high? What's the wise thing to do in that situation? It is to listen to your wise friends, which means get wise friends, <laughs> develop wise friends. And we encourage you and want to find a way to do that by MCs and huddles. But then not only have wise friends, but listen to your wise friends. However... There's something in our own heart that will keep us from doing that. So what will free us from, the, from pride that keeps us from seeking wise advice? It's looking to Jesus, your wisest friend, suffering harm as a result of your pride and foolishness so you can be set free. Meditate on him. Let, let him pull pride's grip off from you so that you will go and be wise by seeking 
wisdom. Listen to advice and accept discipline so that in the end you will be counted among the wise. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.